Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk, a podcast on recovery with Elizabeth Pudwell and MG. We bring you our experience, strength, and hope from a variety of sources, therapy, 12-step recovery, and life lessons of long-term sobriety. To contact us, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Sober Sisters Talk. We're glad you're here. Now here's our next podcast. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and together we are... Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. So glad you guys are all here. It's cold and dreary out today, so... I want to be cuddled up on my couch. So, um, I thought we would talk about emotional sobriety and how it shows up, what it looks like. Do you know you have it? There's like a checklist. (laughs) Not really. Um, Okay, so the reason that I wanted to talk about this is um, last Saturday, my um, my middle son who lives with me informed me that he got a job um, in South Dakota and he was moving on Thursday. So to yesterday he left. And um, so you had like five, six days to process this news. Uh, more like three or four. But it's a good thing I'm you know from the very beginning I mean I'm torn yes I don't want him to leave you know I like my my babies in my nest nearby but he got an opportunity he got a really good job and um it's you know he made that decision and that choice and I'm proud of him for doing that and having that courage I think it takes an incredible amount of courage to do that you know to leave your family his core family is here so, um, but he has, you know, it's a career decision. So last night, um, I got home and I've had many nights where I get home and he's not there. He's gone hunting or he's with his buddies for the weekend or whatever. But, uh, it felt really lonely and empty in my house. And I was painfully aware of avoid and I got really emotional as it's still kind of lingering I'm trying to talk about it more and more so that I you know can process it and um, release these emotions that I'm feeling but I realized what it is is that I'm in withdrawal and I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Um, I think it's something's got to give no the one with um, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt that's it. And she has the little boy with the um with asthma. the asthma. Yeah. And then and then he hires the doctor to take, you know, to and the kids all better. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I, it's like all of this and I realize like that I have been exerting a lot of energy around my mental taking care of this kid. 
I'm not taking care of him. He's an adult. But I'm like, ooh, ah, ooh, maybe he, ooh, you know, a lot. Well, and I mean, is that not normal for a parent to do that, though, Elizabeth, to, like, worry? Oh, I'm sure it's normal. I don't have any, but, you know, for this addict, it was filling a void. And there's a void there now. So I'm going to worry about you. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I just was like, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I was like, I don't feel emotionally sober. I feel like really rocky. And it's not bad. I don't feel bad, but I just feel um, emotional. I feel like this, whereas I don't normally feel like that, you know? So I, is it? Is it safe to say that emotional sobriety is more like a a level indicator? I think so. For me, mm-hmm. it is. I think you know pre pre emotional recovery, I was like this. Yeah. And listener, I am doing the motion of a roller coaster, an extreme <laughs> roller coaster. And now I feel like my I'm level most of the time. Yeah. Not flat I have a very high vibration and I feel like life is good and life is treating me well and I have a lot of energy and exuberance for life but uh I don't go up and down and um yeah I was like feeling very very emotional yesterday and I still am um now it's better but it's just there's you know there's a void and um, I wasn't even really aware that I was doing it. I mean, I knew that I was concerned about him and all of that, but it's that creation. For me, emotional sobriety is about um, dealing with those types of things, the voids. So when Samantha, here's a really good example for what happened when Samantha graduated from high school, I knew it was coming. I could see that. And I was like, okay, like there's going to be this huge void in my life and I need to fill that with elements. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of days to think about filling (laughs) the elements I'm going to put in there. And, um, yeah. I think that when I am not in that level place, you know, rolling along... And something pushes off, like I'm going to say center, center of the road, trudging, just, you know, um, you know, feeling okay, feeling content, just feeling good, everything's fine, no alarms, um, you know, that that is my emotional center. That's where I feel most centered. And if something shifts me off that, and I'm cocking my head to the right, listeners, when something shifts me left or right, wonky happy or sad or whatever i have been so much on my center that when i'm off of it now then it's alarming to me because it's like what the hell is going on i think it's also an indicator of our long-term sobriety elizabeth that we want to get back to center i don't want to be off kilter immediately Exactly. I am not I am not interested in staying in this spot at all. <laughs> well, because that spot can lead us to dangerous things, right? It makes me feel vulnerable. Yeah. And, and again, 
there's nothing wrong with you know me being vulnerable I am you know but I think it does make me feel very vulnerable like you know um it just it, you know what it reminds me of is the same kind of feeling when I lost my dad that's what it makes me feel like like my dad's gone you know and Andrew's not my dad and Andrew is not like you know I, I don't need to fill that void with another child or my dad. I need to fill that void with with myself first. And then I need to put a man in my bed, you know? <laughs> in a sober way, listeners, in a sober way. <laughs> yes, in a very methodical um Way, which I am doing. I I have a third date with uh, a man tomorrow, and uh, really like this guy, and I'm enjoying um, hanging out with him, and feeling like you know I haven't had a third date with a man in a long time. So I do think that these things all play together, you know, and I don't think it's any accident that the timing is where it's at. Um, it, so I do think it's really interesting how, you know, first I got a couple of new young sponsees and I work with them a couple of months. They're both on step three. And now, you know, here comes, here comes this thing, this big void and, um, and dating somebody at the same time, you know, so I do think that for me, all of those things line up. They are me manifesting the life that I want and what I want to create and um, I just know like that feeling of withdrawing from expending emotional energy is for real even I don't know what am I 17 years this August you know so the, the, walk us through the process of what you do to get back to center. Number one is this. Is it, it is exactly this. It is talking about it, sharing about it, saying it as much as I can. Because in each time I share it, it diminishes the emotional impact. And um, it also brings different elements up to me, like the new sponsees and the you know Tom from San Diego and you know the other things that are going on in my life and that I get to and he's so happy you know he called me we talked this morning um while I was on the road and I mean it was emotional for him too he cried when he left you know and it was it's not a bad thing you know it's just that we're separate you know and it's hard you know, we love each other. I liked having him there. It was very useful, but he was stuck and now he's unstuck. And I, that's what I want for him more than anything else is to be unstuck, you know, to so, grow up. So the first thing you did was you started talking about it and that's how you process, um, you know, something going on. And a part of that processing are the messages that you talk to yourself and that you say to yourself, this is a happy occurrence. I'm happy for him. We were together. I had this great opportunity to be with him. I've got these other sponsees that need me. I'm dating someone. 
going on a third date with someone. So you start talking about like the positive things that are in your life. So it's a redirection of like this sad energy into a positive energy. Well, it's even like, what can I do to fill the void, you know? Oh, yeah. Because that is, that's what the, the void is there for a reason, you know? And so even just like last night, I went into the bedroom and I cleaned it up a little bit. And even that helps immensely. Like the tactical process of touching stuff, moving stuff, cleaning it. You know, whenever my boys, when my boys were young, and even Samantha, when they would go out of town, um, Samantha went out, went to um, California every summer for years, for like eight years in a row. And I would go in her bedroom in the first week and clean it up and touch all of her stuff and remake the bed and do all of these things. And the boys, the same thing. I would go and tell them when they came back, you are chucking, you are cram. You know, because so, <laughs> they chuck and cram their stuff. But it felt really good just to go in there and touch their belongings, smell it, and then clean it and organize it, you know. And that was my way of connecting with them. And the same thing is true there, you know, just looking at the stuff that he left and touching it. And that is part of that. I think after the talking is that part of it. It's the tactical. What can I do that's touching? That is a, a tasking at it. And as I clean up the room and, and rearrange it and make it, you know, more the guest room, which I've wanted to do for a long time, um, the void just begins to, you know, naturally be filled with, you know, other things. Well, as a part of that tactile exercise, also about grounding your space and about, so is that tactile exercise also a way to get you back to reality that this is you know it's not in your head this is in the world here is this real thing uh does is that a piece of it you think yes and also there's this um practice that all of us have and i would guess that my sisters have it as well that when something is upsetting we clean we clean we clean, we organize, we vacuum, we wipe, we, I mean, it, and once that's done, then I can feel better. I see that. I see that. I have a girlfriend who does that as well. She says it's almost like a Zen exercise. It is. Where she's like uh, making something better, like immediately. So there's an immediate gratification from that. And, uh, and also I think spiritually there's, an energy shift, you know, when we... It's an order. Right, yes. right, right. Yeah. Let's have everything in order, yes. And I notice whenever Samantha comes over, if um, she's feeling agitated, she'll start wiping my counters and <gasps> stuff in the kitchen, you know? And it, it's so, yes, it's, it, you know, that's why I said I'm sure my sisters do this because my daughter does it. And I never told her, well, you know, when you feel agitated, just clean, you know? <laughs> She just does it, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. part of our DNA, I guess, you know, just have, every, it's a, it's a, it's a method of control. It's like this outward semblance of control. It isn't really. Well, it is. It's a small control with a small C, you know, because we can't control the big things, but, you know, getting things into order in a small way for me is very comforting. 
And I can remember when I was going through withdrawal, one of the physical actions that I could take was this rocking. You know, it's sort of this EMDR thing, back and forth, that that was really comforting to me to do this back and forth, rocking forward, side to side. You know, I would even pat my legs, you know, right, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. And so these physical things that we can do in the world can be a comfort to us. So you started processing, you started cleaning, you were redirecting your thoughts. And what's another thing that you do that helps you get back to center? Praying, praying. I yeah. did that last night, you know, I just, I prayed and I journaled. A lot of times I journal my prayers when, you know, I'm, it, because it just helps me slow down yeah. and, you yeah. know, really hear, um, align with my spiritual part. Yeah. And, and yeah, so that's, I, I prayed I, and I prayed last night and I prayed for him. You know, he's there, he got there this afternoon, he's safe and sound. Oh my God, it's so cold there. He said it was like 19 degrees. <laughs> Lord, it's 62 and I'm like, I'm flipping I out. I know. We're like, it's just like a little chilly and gray and rainy. And I'm like, oh my God, it's freezing out here. No, I know. When not. I went to New York and it would get a little bit chilly, I'd bring out the big coat and people would be like, well, what's going on? You know, is there a cold front coming? And I'm like, coming. you're like, that's cold. No, I'm just from Texas, you know. It's below 60. That's cold. But to my benefit, when it was like 102 outside, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the store. They're oh, like, no. it's 102. And I'm like, uh, uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a kerfuffle this week as well, and I'm happy to report a good resolution around it. And I got off my emotional center and uh and it and it was very troubling to me as well and we have like i have a coworker in the office whose son was exposed at his school to covid so she got the letter last friday saying my son was exposed at school and he has to go into quarantine for 2 weeks so she was like what do i do with this and i'm like in my mind she has to go on quarantine for two weeks, too. But there was no answer because my boss is kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. There, I, I don't know. So how is to she just... coming into the office? Well, she got sick. She started getting sick. And she was really sick, vomiting, diarrhea. And that's her symptoms last time with COVID. So I was like, uh, she stayed home. And we were all like, great, please stay home. And there's only four of us that work in the office, right? So we were all talking, and yesterday another woman in, in the office and I were talking about it, and we're like, she should not come into the office. And, you know, we were like, well, what does the boss say? Because the boss doesn't, you know, office here. He offices out of his home in another state. So we're like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what she does, because I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay home. And I was really, like, worried about it. And there's not been a lot of communication. 
So I'm getting ready to go to work today, and she texts me. She goes, hey, are you coming in the office today? And I'm like, why? Are you are you in the office? Yeah, I'm in the office. And I'm like, oh. I said, I, I don't get it. Is this that. a sick girl? Well, she's not sick anymore, but she went and she got some rapid tests, and the rapid tests were negative. But, you know, that doesn't, you know, that's not swaying me. We all know that these rapid tests are iffy. So, and, you know, and I was like, well, what about your son? Has he been tested? And she said, no. You know, the school says he has to wait until, like, next Wednesday or Thursday, which is right. Because, you know, the way that the virus will replicate, you can be, throw out all these negatives and still be positive, And you have to wait until the virus starts expressing or whatever. So, I was like, you know, this was like 30 minutes before I'm ready to go into work today. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was really, uh, you know, all over the place with my emotions. And then it was like, okay, calm down. Let's just think through this thing. What do you want to do? I'm like, I want to stay home and work from home. Okay, good. Let's do that. So, I started, so for, my, for me, what I start doing is I start asking myself questions around this kerfluffle, you know, being off center. Because I want to be very clear about what the trigger is, what the response is. I got to be very clear. So the answer was, I want to stay and work from home. And I'm like, okay. So so she had emailed me. Then I emailed her back. I said, I would prefer to work from home until your son, you know, for the, until, you know, next Friday, which is what the school suggested. Why should she be coming in? She can work from home. No problem. Why should she come in the office and all three of us work from home? All three of us should be in the office and she should work from home. You know, so I was like getting real judgy about my boss and about this whole situation. And it was like, I've got to quit. I've got to quit this job, you know. (laughs) I love that. Where I just go to the extreme. and, uh, And I was really, and so I'm like, so what's the fear? So I walked through the fear and I got really, really clear about it. And the fear is getting sick again because I was sick for so long. How much of a reality is that? And I'm like, it could be a reality. We don't know. We don't know. But I would feel better just working from home. So finally, and my boss got a little bit snarky. He's like, y'all don't need to be deciding this. I need to be included in these decisions. So I'm like, please call me. Yeah. So before he called me, I asked two little angels to come and sit by my mouth. So that they... (laughs) Two little angels right here, right here, left and right. I have a friend that's loaning me her angels. So I asked these little angels to come and be by my mouth to help me speak the words that I need to speak to my boss. I don't want to piss my boss off. I already told him to shut his racist mouth last week. I don't need to, you know, get into into anything else with him. So he called me, and I was able to be very candid. And as I was talking about it with him and explaining my logic, I got really emotional, and I started crying. And it wasn't a manipulation. It was truly where I was like, I can't get sick anymore. I don't want to. I'm I'm deathly afraid of this. We don't know about these variants. You know, she says she's negative. We don't really know. It's not even about her. It's about her son. And I started crying. And I think that that's what finally got into this guy. 
And he was like, well, I didn't mean to upset you. And he said, my only point is that I need to be kept in the loop to help manage this situation. And I'm like, I appreciate that. And, and he goes, I'm trying to keep this business afloat. And I said, I understand. Thank you so much, sir. And, you know, so we were able to, uh, and he said, work from home today, work from home on Monday, and then we'll revisit it. And I mean, that's fine. But Elizabeth, my ass and her ass are not going to be in the same office together. And if I do... I'm not even, you know, near as, as delicate as you are with this stuff. And I don't want to be around her. You know, one of the things that came up around... Uh, when Andrew said he was going to leave, I said, do you want me to go with you? Because it's a long road trip and he's got to drive because he wants his truck and he's got, he's rented a U-Haul to take some stuff up there. And, you know, he's like, I don't know. It was kind of wishy-washy. And then, you know, I said, I don't know, whatever day it was. I was like, well, I've got to know if you want me to go. And he was like, I don't need you to. If you want to, it would be nice, but I don't need you to. And I said, okay, then I'm not going to, because I get that he needs to do this alone. You know, he doesn't need his mom helping him. And um, I also, I think that there's like, there's just, so I like the analogy that you gave of like asking yourself questions, you know, what is the motivation here? And that when we get emotional, there's it 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 doesn't mean you're being silly or i don't know like a crazy woman you know i hate that when you get emotional it's because it's important to us and we're learning from it and i don't want to be near somebody who's been exposed because it's not safe and then i have all these other people like i have a couple of people here at work that i would expose my granddaughters my other son and his wife i don't want to expose all of those people so if i found out i was exposed i would have to um or even if i got on an airplane i would have to quarantine for a couple of weeks because it's not it's not fair to other people you know so that's kind of the reason that i that I decided to, to, you know, not go, yeah. but also because it's better for him. He needed to go. He needs to do this thing by himself. You know, he's a man and I have to, when I say, no, you didn't go. I'm showing him that as a man, I know you can do this by yourself. Yeah. yeah. I trust you to do that by yourself. Right. Right. But I do think that it's really important that you like recognize your process. Like when you were talking about, when you first, and you started asking yourself questions, and I did the same thing when I was like, God, what is, what is wrong with me? Why do yeah. I feel this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I know what it is. I'm in withdrawal. I have, to, I don't have to worry about him anymore. And it's what I want for him. I want, want for him to thrive. I want him to have a good job. I want him, I told him, I said, I bought him a, Patagonia jacket and he called me and he was like why did you spend so much money on these jackets and I was like because you need them so it's cool and he's like well we could have found them cheaper and I was like okay no 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 I, I, that's what I told I was like look you can you can survive where you are if you have the right gear 
if you don't have the right gear, you're not going to be happy going outside to your truck. You're not going to be happy going outside from work. You're not, you know. And listen, before I went to New York, my friend, dear friend Esther Lee, she like outfitted me. She's like, okay, so you're going to New York. Uh, Do you have any boots? I'm like, well, I got my cowboy boots. She goes, okay, so you don't have any boots. Yeah. Okay, so do you have a coat? And I'm like, yeah, I've got that, you know. That jacket. She goes, okay, so you don't have a coat. Okay, great. Do you have a hat? Do you have gloves? And I'm like, and so she was like inventorying all my stuff, and it was completely inadequate. And she was like, listen, you can really enjoy being outside if you are outfitted properly. And so she told me about like how to wear socks and double socks and boots and, you know, the type of boots. And if it's raining, wear your wet boots and, you know, even like get ski pants and this and that. And so it was like she really helped me get prepared, this little southern girl, this little warm body to be with that. And, you know, and then when my girlfriend, uh, Julie, you know, came to New York, she had one of those Patagonia coats, you know, rated for like sub-zero or something like that, light as a feather. And, you know, and it cost a fortune, but it's so worth it. So I'm so glad that you did that for him. You know, I did. I bought two of them. I bought a jacket and a longer parka. And uh, one's black and the other one's brown. And he's like, why did... And I was like, look, you need this gear. And I knew you would never buy it for yourself. Yeah. And I bought him a North Face hat, too, a good hat. And I said, you know, you're going to need gloves. So that's something that you're going to... Because he's going to... He's got big hands. He needs to try those on. You need probably driving gloves. But your dad can help you with that, like the kind of gloves that you need. And he goes... He told me today, yeah, I, I need some boots, too. I'm going to go into town and get some boots. And I was like, good. And I said, because I want you to have the right gear. And I want you to look cute. I want you to go to work. I want you to meet a girl and get married and have babies and make me a grandson. <laughs> That's all in there. It's uh, You've got your motives down. You know exactly why you're doing that. That's funny. I do. That's I funny. Like, but, you know, but it's I, also I, self-care, Elizabeth, you know, and you're teaching him. You know, that's what I told him. Yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm showing you the way how you take care of yourself. And there's certain things that you don't you don't squinch on that you don't you know you don't need to save money on a good jacket. You know, you live in South Dakota. You can save money on pots and pans. You know, you don't need really good pots and pans. You can save money on housing because houses are cheap there. <laughs> a lot of different places, but you don't skimp on the. No. the gear, you know, because that that's a matter of life and death. Well, and you, can, you can be comfortable. Right, right. So, you know, I was able to get back to center, you know, fairly quickly. And that's also uh, part of emotional sobriety is that because we have these strategies, Elizabeth, I don't have to live in that place of being in uh, distress. I don't have to stay in that place of fear. I can work through it and get back to, you know, steady as she goes. And, you know, because that's where I want to live my life for the most part. And that's why, you know, uh, it's sort of like our foundation that we have and our processes that we've tailored over the years to our own, you know, selves are something that we have to continue and build and sustain because at any moment, a trigger could like jump into our lives and if we're and if we don't have a process of reaching our emotional sobriety 
there is the chance that I can be knocked off course, which I never want to do. And another thing, and I didn't have time to do it today, was to call a friend, and that's part of my processing as well, to commiserate with someone and have them validate my concerns. You know, and I was going to call my friend Esther Lee and like saying, do you know what my boss is doing? Blah, 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 blah. And she was like, that's outrageous. And I'm like, I know. And, you know, to have her commiserate with me and validate me. And, you know. Because you know what that does? That eliminates the need to sex at these problems. I don't need to go have sex on these at these problems because I can take the time to First of all, notice I'm off kilter. I feel emotional. Pay attention to it. What is it? What's really going on here? Recognize it. Share about it. Call somebody. Tell somebody. Pray about it. And get get to the other side of it. And call your little angels then to be right by your mouth if you have to say something. But shut the fuck up. This one says, say only this. And this one says, shut the fuck up. <laughs> And they were very helpful. I said good things to my boss. I said what, you know, he said some things that kind of like wanted me to say, if I wasn't in my recovery place, to say a little, you know, to say some things. And uh, and I didn't. And, and it worked out well. Because, you know, the truth is, is that I need this job. I am so ready to ditch this job. And, you know, I, I think about all these people who don't have jobs yeah. that are really, really struggling. What am I, a fool? You know, come on. But, you know, that's my inner teenager wanting to put my purse on my shoulder, flip them the bird, and <laughs> screw you, you know. Yeah. That's not emotionally sober actions. It's not It's not emotional maturity, and that's really, you know, I think for me that emotional sobriety does lead to emotional maturity. And I can show up like an adult, which I have in this whole process, you know, I've been able to show up like an adult deal with the stuff that I'm supposed to deal with, you know, not deal with the things that are not mine, you know, which is like the thing about like cleaning the room and actually buying him a jacket, you know, those things, those are things that I can control and it makes me feel connected to the situation, you know, to what he's going, even just like, you know, talking to him when he's on the road, where are you, you know, what's the weather like, you know, I helped him get a, find a place to stay last night. He called me and he said, I'm here and I want to drive about three or four more hours. And I was like, okay. And I found a place and said, okay, this is where you're going. Right. So you're able to stay connected and help him. Right. And I but suspect I that makes you feel more emotional, emotionally it, yeah. sober. Yeah. Well, after I'm in control, but I, I am a part of it. Right. So when I got off the phone, it was like, oh, so I don't have to go into work. And I was already prepared and dressed for work. But I was like, now what's the next right thing? Well, you know, go make yourself some coffee. You know, go have some lunch. You know, go eat. Like, get into the next right self-care thing. And then once I got my coffee and my food and I was able to sit down and get to work. And it actually turned out to be a very productive day. So, you know, and it's because we have those tools and that knowledge to stay emotionally sober so that we don't get run off the rails and wrapped up in some other bullshit. And totally be aware of when you're not. Right. Because you can't start, you know, you cannot start to get emotionally sober unless you know that you're not. Thank you, Elizabeth. 
Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, listener, and the ability to walk through this with you and share it with you. Um, you know, if you guys want to uh, contribute to us, oh, don't forget about Pura Coffee and Birdhouse Coffee, our sponsor. If you go, Birdhouse is in Missouri City and Pura is in Houston. And if you go in and tell them you are Sober Sisters listener, they will give you a 10% discount and you are promoting and local small business and they need it right now. Amen. And if you have any other questions, you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.SoberSistersTalk.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week.